Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Best Bits with Alice and Lily. Here at the Best Bits, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Gabby Gabby people and the Gadigal people, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, my love. Hello, my love. How are you? What's new? <laughs> What's new? Um... <laughs> Uh, we'll do we'll do short 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 sweet what's new short sweet um look a lot but I'm good and I just want to say thank you to everyone that reached out to me after my episode Mm. they were yeah just such lovely messages and yeah I'm doing I'm doing okay so thank you very much (laughs) so amazing such an amazing person I love you my love I love you um I'm good I'm good. Are you? <laughs> Why is it? I don't know. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just in a stage right now uh, where I am like um, I feel like there's growth coming and I, or like growth happening and I feel like I need to just sit right now with that. And, um, yeah, there's just some uncomfortable things that I'm kind of trying to navigate at the moment. Um, yeah. But overall, I'm well. Yeah. I'm healthy. I think that's good. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's all you can ask for, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Health is wealth, baby. Health is wealth. I'm rich. (laughs) (laughs) What is your quote? Lay it on me. I need some, I need some good quote. Oh, this is actually a really good quote. This is from a book, Lighter by Young. I never know how to say his last name. Playboy? Playboy. Something like that. Playboy. (laughs) Young Playboy. (laughs) Young Playboy. Okay, you ready? Okay. your immediate reaction does not tell you who you are it is how you decide to respond after the reaction that gives you real insight into how much you have grown your first reaction is your past your intentional response is your present i love that it's so true yeah Yeah. i always think about that like Yeah. yeah your first reaction is yeah like your past or your societal conditioning and then 
you choose the next thought or the yeah. next step. Literally, uh, yes. Thank you. What's yours? Uh, short and simple, this too shall pass. And I what? am just embracing that. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good idea. I think it's a yeah. good idea. But, like, that is that is so true. And it's like, yeah. it also comes to negative or unhappy or, un, like, uncomfortable moments. And then yeah. positive too. Like, this too shall pass. The happiness, the joy, the elation that you're feeling will pass. And if you live, I guess, with that sort of – knowing that everything is fluid and, and moving and volatile, mm. like it's it's like you don't get it. You, you release that attachment that you have to particular moments and events. Mm. It's quite I nice. So. I think so. It's a really, um, it's a really beautiful one, but I think like all, you know, quotes and like, you know, inspiring messages and whatever, it's just like so much easier said than done. But yeah. if you... <laughs> I guess just try your best, you know, to, to live out through these, you know, inspiring things and whatever and to grow. Like I think that's just all you can do. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, having that faith that like everything is everything is permanent and that can bring you like, um, you know, yeah, embracing the good times when they are because they won't be permanent but also like knowing – yeah, that the bad times won't be permanent either. Mm, mm, yeah. 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 I think it's just reminding yourself every single day, every moment there's like this like uncomfortableness or you know, stagnancy. It's like this will pass. This will, yeah. pass. this will pass. Who knows when? Yeah. Well, <laughs> even will. like even um, throughout the day, you mm. know, where you have moments of just like anxiety and you feel like that's going to take up your whole day yes yes you know you do something that you know makes you feel better like whatever it is you know you breathe you whatever it is and then you have moments in your day where you're just like oh okay like you know I'm back on track like everything's okay and it's Mm. it's in and out all day Mm. at least Mm. for me it is at the moment yeah um and yeah knowing that those those moments are yeah are fleeting as well so it's a good, yeah. yeah, it's a good one to just remind yourself of. I think it brings like a bit of comfort. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love it. I love it. What is our episode <sighs> this week, my gal? Yes. Our episode this week is Lily is asking me questions about nutrition. <laughs> no, no. You're asking me questions about nutrition. <laughs> wait, am I? No. Oh, I was like, wait. I got the memo wrong. Hell no. I know nothing. <laughs> you, you know stuff. Oh, no, I think really. it'll, be, it'll be an interesting episode and I want yeah. you, Lil, to to inter, interject when you need to as well. Like ask questions as well. It's kind of like a very mm. conversational episode and for anyone who doesn't know, I'm a dietitian um, and a nutritionist so I kind of know a little bit about <laughs> about food um you reckon? i love it <laughs> i hope so um i love it i love talking about it. i love eating it i love preparing yeah. it. i love everything like that so it yeah. is something that i'm very very passionate about um but also like it would be really interesting to see what lil's opinion is or mm. like what she knows about it or what she's heard about it and yeah i think it's just going to be awesome you guys ask questions on our instagram page so thank you all very much if you don't follow it's just at the best bits podcast um, and yeah, we've, we'll probably go through about 10 or so, um, yeah. of the sort of most common questions. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really good. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Happy days. 
fun. Okay, so I'm just going to have a quick little look-see. I'm just going to choose them at random. Um. Okay, 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 okay. The first one. So how to be okay with not being fully vegan. I did everything Mm. right as a vegan, but I feel better off not being a vegan. This is incredibly, incredibly Mm. common. Mm -hmm. I get this question a lot, and I think that for, I guess, vegans, for anyone who might not be aware, is somebody who eats completely plant-based. Mm. And that means basically no animal products, including meats, but also eggs, dairy, you know, milk, cheese, yogurts, ice creams, etc. And then yeah. sometimes even honey, which is, yeah. I guess, from an animal, technically. Um, what I would say to that is asking yourself why you are vegan. And Mm. that's really important because if you're, for example, vegan for health reasons and you're feeling crappy off it, then technically the intention for why you're vegan is completely redundant because you're feeling crap. Yeah. Um, If you're vegan for ethical reasons or maybe human rights, and it's not human rights, um, animal rights, (laughs) (laughs) not human rights, completely opposite, animal rights, then asking yourself, if I include a little bit of animal products that are sourced from, you know, maybe a farm that is really, really sustainable or really, really um, caring for their animals or their produce, whether that's eggs or milk, then maybe I'd be able to gravitate a little bit towards that while still upholding the values that I do have as to why I might be vegan. Yeah. The other one is from a sustainability point of view. So some people are vegan or choose to be vegan because they want to support the environment or the earth. And there definitely are ways that you can consume animal products that are still supportive of the earth. So, for example, eggs. If you have chickens at home, for example, then you can still be providing to the earth and sustain, like um, approaching from a sustainability angle, but still be supporting your health in another way that is not necessarily a 100%, 100% vegan mm. having eggs, of course. Mm. Otherwise, for example, you can ask yourself if those things aren't necessarily something that you want to include, mm. asking yourself, am I actually being vegan in the right way? So mm. as an example is – Some people might come to me and go, I'm vegan, but I feel incredibly tired all the time. They're vegan, but they don't really consume much protein, iron Mm. or B12 or zinc or those really, really good nutrients, vitamins and minerals, for example, that are kind of a little bit more sparse in the the plant-based, I guess, diet. Yeah. So those are the sort of things that I would say to that question. Mm. Um, At the end of the day, you can be vegan and you can be healthy, but not every person is the same. Yes. I'll give you myself as an example. I went vegan for like two months mm-hmm. after I went on a holiday and to the Cook Islands actually. Um, yeah. And the Cook Islands, if anyone been there, like very meat heavy. And I full-blown went vegan because I couldn't stand the taste of meat ever again. And I went <laughs> vegan for like two months and I just remember feeling so, 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 so tired. And like, yeah. you know, I did everything quote unquote right, but I just felt incredibly lethargic. And then I started yeah. eating meats and yes, I wasn't eating it every day, but I had it every so often and I felt so much better. Yeah. And another thing is, for example, if you have medical issues or concerns where you can't absorb iron very well, eating animal products every now and then is actually very supportive of your health. So yes, you can be vegan and be very healthy, but also it's really important to consider your own health and where you're at at this point in time in terms of your life and ask yourselves, is the intention as to why I'm vegan 
can it be done? So what is the intention as to why I'm vegan? Can it be done while yeah. still consuming a little bit of animal products? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's such a great answer. I think like I used to be vegetarian as well. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was vegetarian for like maybe like two, oh. two years or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then I went to New York with my sister and I just couldn't resist like the, um, the pepperoni pizza. And then oh. from there I was like, I guess I'm not vegetarian anymore. And then, yeah. you know, started eating meat. And then for me, like it's been a process of like, why do we have to label it? Like, yes. why do yeah. you have to? And I think I would ask yourself that, like, why do you have to label yourself a vegan? Why mm. do you have mm. to label yourself a vegetarian. Mm, mm. Um, and I think so often when you do label yourself, it's like, well, okay, because I'm this, I've labeled myself as this, I can't eat this and I can't do this. And it's like, I think that's where you just go so wrong. You've got to, um, I guess, like find the balance for you. So for me, like now I'm, I'm not a vegetarian, but I, eat so many vegetarian meals like I would say majority you know when I'm cooking for myself um majority of my meals are vegetarian and then you know I'll have like a steak when I feel like it and for me I'm being like so much better for for myself but the environment and all of that just eating in a way that feels like natural for me and not like Mm -hmm. labeling myself as anything um So, yeah, I would ask yourself, why do you need to label yourself as that and just do what feels right for you and what, you know, makes your body feel, you know, the the best that it can feel? Um, yeah, I just think the labels around the food industry yeah. are so silly. And, yeah. like, I think it's like more little- harmful than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. and it's it sort of like supports that black and white, all or nothing mentality, which we'll talk yeah. about, I'm sure, soon yeah. enough about like yeah. how that can feed into the sort of eating patterns and perfectionism. Type A personalities are much more likely to to label themselves and to put them into sort of like a little bucket, yeah. where it's very very difficult to uphold. And then if they do deviate from that, yeah. then automatic failure. And then self-esteem and everything like that kind of goes down the drain because they can't uphold yeah. something they put towards or they put well, their mind. Well, spiral, right, I mm. guess. Like like for me, once I started to like eat meat again, then it's just like, okay, I, well, I guess I'm a meat eater now, so I'll just eat yeah. meat all the time. And yeah. it's, yeah, I think it's just all about balance. Mm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, also like you said, you know, finding, if you do want to be vegan, finding mm. a way to do it that like feels, you know, the most healthy and energizing for your body and I'm sure like you said there's so many ways to do that correct yeah 100% beautiful nope nope uh next question let me look um okay why am I always told to eat high protein (laughs) sorry I shouldn't laugh at that question sorry I shouldn't laugh at that question I'm laughing at the fact that it's so true. Like, yeah. that's what I'm laughing at. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really condescending. Apologize for the well, question. It's so funny. Me, like, reading these questions, I'm like, is are we always told that? Like, I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I think because I, because I see a lot of people yeah. 
in it this. Would, I'm yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I understand that yeah. question. But like, so I mean, the reason why you might be always told to eat high protein, um, and I think it pretty much always stems from either the fitness industry or diet culture. Yeah, um, is that naturally protein is firstly satiating so more mm-hmm. filling than other macronutrients like fats and carbohydrates but it's okay. also really important for muscle building and it's also incredibly um hard to break down compared to carbohydrates and fats which means it uses more energy to break down than those sort of aforementioned macronutrients yep. so the reason being is what's happened is the fitness industry and the diet culture has kind of gone okay cool that's a really good macronutrient to have if you want to lose weight or gain muscle. Mm-hmm. And losing weight and gaining muscle is really, really, um, I guess, put on a bit of a pedestal when it comes to diet culture and the fitness industry. And so yeah. naturally people have gone, protein, 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 really, really, really important. Protein yeah. powders, protein bars, protein freaking water. Like what is yeah. that? Um, literally. So that would be probably the reason why. Yes. I think that protein is very important. Of course, we need protein. It's very important for muscle building, cell rebuilding, everything like that. But the emphasis diet culture and the fitness industry put on protein is a little bit excessive. Yeah. And it's not necessarily for 99% of people unless, for example, you are um, a really, really high-performing athlete and you need a lot of protein. Yeah. Or, for example, if you're trying to lose weight, protein can be very important as opposed to maybe putting emphasis on the other macronutrients. But that's not to say you can't have them. But those two scenarios are probably the only reason why I think you need to be prioritising protein as a macronutrient. Mm. I think that it can be done in a quite a distorted way and we can put a lot of unintentional or unnecessary emphasis on protein when really it's just a macronutrient at the end of the day. If you're eating a balanced variety of different foods, you probably will yep. be getting enough protein anyway. But yeah, okay. long story short, the reason why you're told to eat high protein is probably from diet culture or the fitness yeah. industry. It's probably because it's got that high thermic effect of food. So basically it takes a lot of energy to break down. It's really, really filling and it builds lean or muscle. Muscle is lean. So I don't, that is a whole other story, but lean muscle. Yeah. Um, and quote, when unquote. we're talking protein, like when yes. I think of protein, I think meat. What else are you yes. like? You've obviously got like the protein, like yeah. shakes and that kind of stuff. Mm, mm, what? Yeah. What else? Well, protein, like I mean, so protein is contained in lots of different foods. Just depends yeah. on what type. So, like yeah. most of the time, the industry promotes things like meats or animal products such as eggs, milks, yogurts as high mm-hmm. protein, yeah. but then also your protein powders, your protein bars, your protein shakes, all that kind of jazz. Yeah, and then yeah. you've also got things like your plant-based source of protein like legumes, beans, um, nuts, seeds, mm-hmm. uh, what else? Um, sometimes things like oats and stuff can kind of come in, but they're not really high-protein products. Yeah. But those are sort of things we would be thinking if we're thinking high-protein. So yeah. it is okay. really important to include protein at most meals because, yeah. you know, if you do, you're much more likely to hit your protein requirements yeah. throughout the day, but it shouldn't be something that you're necessarily going, oh, my gosh, I don't have protein in this meal, I'm going to die. Like nothing's yeah. going to happen, it's okay. Yeah. Um, your body's very, very smart, but um, – yeah, that's what I'd sort of say to answer that. Yeah, that makes cool. sense. Cool. Tell yeah. me, have I deluded myself? 
Or <laughs> is it possible to like genuinely thrive off carbs? Because I feel like my body. Oh yeah. I fucking love carbs. Like I'll have yeah. like rice pasta, like rice basically like nearly at every dinner. Like yeah. I'm. I feel like yeah. my body is just like give me the carbs. I fucking yeah. love it. Is that, am I deluding myself? Because no, 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 no. I'm great when I eat carbs. That's fine. Do you know what? This is a really good question and Mm. a question in itself because every single person, there's so many studies done where people respond differently to different carbohydrates, different macronutrients. So you, for example, Lily, might thrive off having a high carbohydrate diet as opposed to a high fat, a high protein. Some Mm. other people thrive off having a high protein diet or thrive off having a high uh, fat diet. That doesn't say that one is right or wrong. It's just depending on the individual. I think if it works for you, keep doing that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're clearly probably you're getting enough protein in anyway. Like you're a very healthy individual. You're having all these different types of foods. Yeah. If you thrive of having a carbohydrate diet or sort of a higher carbohydrate diet, stick with it. Stick with it. I also think I'm going to kind of disclaim and say that a lot of the time, especially as women, we think that a, like what we're having is a whole heap of carbohydrates and it's high, yeah. high carbohydrate. When to be honest, it's probably just what we should be having. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But diet culture has gone oh gosh you can't have a potato like (laughs) you should actually have like if we think about it in like real kind of guideline terms six pieces of bread would be considered throughout the day the recommended amount of carbohydrates or grains so I mean you don't have to have six pieces of bread to get that well I'm having at least three (laughs) (laughs) well exactly so three and then you got your cover rice and then you might have your oats or something like that and then you might have a couple of potatoes like that would be seen as a regular Right. recommended amount of carbohydrates so yeah. even though it might feel like you're having a high carbohydrate diet you're probably having yeah. a regular carbohydrate diet but by everybody else's standards it might be higher because that's what diet culture has taught us okay okay another instance of diet culture just yeah interfering that's so interesting cool yes. thank you my love Pleasure. um okay next question let me see um Oof, this is interesting. I have yes. my opinion, but only ooh, through just like my, I don't know, whatever. Full fat versus low fat, <laughs> what is healthier? Yes. Ooh, interesting question. Can I ask you your opinion first before yeah. I taint it? Yes, absolutely. I think full fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think full fat is more, is, I mean, what's healthy, but I think full fat is more healthy yeah. because... I guess like when it's low fat, they've like got to like take shit away and they've got to put shit in and like that's maybe not healthy. That's my that's yes, my okay. completely uneducated. <laughs> but this is good because people are probably thinking similar to what you're thinking, Lil. Yeah, and the, the the thing that I will say, so okay, I'm going to talk about the guidelines, like the Australian dietary guidelines now, and then what I'm going to talk about is terms of my clinical opinion, and then I'm going to refutes what you just said okay. so no don't um, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, I okay watch this guys but one second so with the guidelines the australian dietary guidelines are basically guidelines that cover um lots of different nutritional uh suggestions i guess you could say serve sizes yeah. what types of foods you should be having blah 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 so the guidelines suggest that children under two should always have full fat dairy products okay. people aren't over two um, adolescents, adults, etc., should be having reduced fat, milk products, dairy products, etc. 
Interesting. Okay, that's what the guidelines say. And the reason being is because children require energy, especially under two. They require those good fats. They require lots of energy, which is, you know, full fat dairy products contain more energy. Yeah. 100% without a doubt. That's just fact. Obviously, yeah. fats is really high in energy as opposed yeah. to the other macronutrients. And so full fat, got to have more energy. Cool. As a society in Australia, 60% of people are overweight or obese. And so naturally, the suggestion is that we should be having reduced fat dairy products because lower calories, yep. less energy, less likelihood to, I guess, I'm thinking really simplistic, to put on weight. Yep. Okay. Yep. I would argue that though in some scenarios. So for example, if you prefer full fat dairy products, there is nothing inherently wrong with having that. Okay. Mm. If you are at a healthy weight, if you're nourishing yourself throughout the day, if you prefer full fat dairy, there is nothing that's going to happen to your health. If you have it every day, one yeah. serve a day or two serve a day. Okay. Yeah. The other thing as well is that if, for example, um, you are wanting to um, lose weight. Okay. Mm -hmm. If that is something that you're wanting to look towards, Mm -hmm. then choosing a reduced fat dairy product is a really easy way to take a few calories off or energy off. Okay. Every Mm -hmm. single day, very Mm -hmm. easy way of doing that. You don't have to replace the actual item. You just have to do reduced fat. Yeah. In some scenarios, like if you, for example, got high cholesterol, which Mm -hmm. is basically, um, a condition in which there's, what we call, I guess, not so healthy fats within your blood, which can cause the thickening of arteries, which can increase your risk of stroke and heart disease. Mm -hmm. If you struggle with high cholesterol, heart disease, maybe even diabetes, Mm -hmm. then choosing reduced fat options are always better because they contain less fat and Mm -hmm. saturated fats and saturated fats increase cholesterol. Yeah. Okay. But if you're a healthy individual like yourself, Lily, if you prefer full fat dairy products, amazing. Go for your life. I have full fat dairy products. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. The other thing as well, full fat dairy, because it's fat, often satiates us more than or keeps us fuller than mm-hmm. reduced fat dairy products. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing as well. Yeah. Um, with your, uh, I guess, theory about the lights versus full fat and having things added into it, that is actually not necessarily correct. So what happens with full fat dairy products? Let's mm-hmm. talk about milk for a moment. Is the fats extracted out? Not all of it, depending on the type of there's a reduced fat, low fat, skim milk. Mm-hmm. The fats extracted out and basically everything else is just increased. So water is basically increased. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's no sugars added into it. There's no fillers added into it at all. It's literally just yeah, yeah, it's literally just water. And the reason why is because um, if you look at the labels of mm-hmm. reduced fat versus full fats, reduced mm-hmm. fat has a tiny little bit more sugar, and that's just because of the way the ratios work, all right? Mm-hmm. So technically, reduced fat dairy is not worse for you than full fat dairy at all. It just has more water. It's just a bit more diluted. It tastes a little bit less strong in terms of the milk product. Okay. Mm. That's so interesting. Why did I Mm. always believe that they put more sugar into Mm. light stuff? They do in some scenarios, not necessarily in dairy products, but, for example, if you're having like, um, uh, I don't know, like a a bar or something, like a a low-fat bar, Mm -hmm. um, like a protein bar or something, what they usually do is they add either sugar or artificial sweeteners to enhance the taste because fat is a really, really, really yummy thing. Okay. Humans love it. It increases flavor. Yeah. 
It is literally. And so naturally they need to, they need to replace it with something. Mm. So they replace it with sugars. So that's not to say that every reduced fat item is, is, it doesn't, um, increase the satiation or the satisfaction of the meal through increasing other things. But in the scenario of reduced fat milk and more often than not reduced fat yogurts, they add in, they don't really add in any other things to it. Right. Right. Um, ice cream might be a little bit different, but yeah, the milk, not so much. It's so interesting. And you, um, if you have, if you, Alice Bleethman, are choosing a dairy product, are you choosing light or are you choosing full? It depends. Like, in, mm. I mean, I usually choose light just because I'm used to the taste. Yeah. Like dairy products, like full-fat dairy products, it's a lot, like, heavier for my yeah. tummy. I feel like yeah. it's a lot heavier, but that's just my preferences. It's not necessarily like, oh, full-fat's bad for you. Yeah. That's just my preferences. Taste if preference. I would have, like, a, a go to a friend's house and they only had full-fat milk, I'd be like, hey, yeah, whatever, cool. Yeah. But if I were to go to a supermarket and buy, you know, milk, I'd probably buy reduced fat. If I were to get a coffee, I'd probably buy skinny milk. Yeah. Um, I hate saying skinny milk to the cafe. I'm like, oh, skinny milk. Skinny milk. Almond milk? I do get um, – it depends on the day. It honestly yeah. depends on the day. Sometimes I might yeah. – I feel like I'm going to feel like a bit more oomph. But, yeah, um, yeah if I were to and get – I'd probably use reduced fat. Yeah. And it's so funny, like, with these things like, you know, your coffee order and and, and mm. just those those little things in life. Like, I mean, unless you are someone that is, you know, really, you know, like um, on like a, you know – you want you you want to lose weight and you want to do it for you know the the healthy reasons you want to do it for you know all the good reasons like I feel like things like your coffee order mm. they're like for you and they're like yeah. your like your um enjoyment and like I'm like an I'm an oat milk drinker and I know that's not like the most healthy whatever yeah. I, I, but I just couldn't give a shit because yeah. I love it so much yeah. and like that's like you know, like a kind of, I mean, for me, I guess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's like what you value, but like I value that like morning coffee and Literally. I love it. Yeah. And there's no way I'm choosing a milk that I don't enjoy um, for just because it's a bit healthier or or whatever, yeah. like in that moment. So I guess it's like that. Like, what do you value? Yes, in, in that in that choice. Yeah. Um, exactly. Think, yeah. yeah, and yeah, I guess like 
yeah, just prioritizing, prioritizing that and knowing that you can't like, I guess like with, you know, the, it's, it's really not like the biggest thing in the world. Exactly. And I call yeah. them one percenters. Like yeah. in, when my clients go, I, like, oh, I should, I should start like, you know, like having like reduced fat stuff or I should start doing this. About, okay. These are our one percenters. Like let's yeah. start actually like having, you know, a vegetable, like let's yeah. start doing that. Not checking out your milk or yeah. if you love, if you love going out for pizza with your partner every Friday night, Let's yeah. keep that. That's something that yeah. brings you so much joy. That's a one yeah. percenter. Let's yeah. actually start cooking our own dinners on the other nights. Yeah. There, six nights, that's yeah. one night. It's not yeah. really going to make a huge difference. So, yeah, yeah. I love one percenters that. all like the low-hanging versus the high-hanging fruit. Like let's go grab the fruits that are really, really easy yeah. and then we'll wait for the other fruits, maybe if we need to, if we don't have enough low-hanging. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh, I also have a question. So yes. ages ago, um in you know I don't know like years and years and years ago I had like tummy issues but also mm. I think probably just like disordered eating like back then and then yeah. I went basically completely off dairy and mm. now I think like when I have milk I feel so sick or like mm. not so sick but I just feel weird like, can you weird. like build can you build up intolerances in that way like could I now be mm-hmm. a little bit intolerant to dairy mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So there's two reasons why you can, you can, um, so actually there's probably three. So eating disorders, disordered eating patterns can mm-hmm. result in digestive challenges. 100%. Yes. Like the data, the research shows that. Yeah. So that could be one of the reasons. And the reason why that's the case is because reduced variety, reduced actual requirement for your body to actually, or your digestive system to actually work properly. So mm-hmm. muscular atrophy, which is basically like the the loss of muscle within your digestive mm-hmm. tract, bacterial changes within the, mu- gu- mu- blah, 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 <laughs> the gut microbiome, yeah. um, stress and anxiety. So, and then also stress okay. and anxiety related to the food. So lots yeah. of reasons why that may have happened to your particular scenario, Leo. Mm-hmm. The other thing as well is when it comes to intolerances, sometimes what might happen is if we don't consume a food for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. our microbiome, our gut microbiome, which is little bugs in our gut, basically um they kind of like they die off or certain ones die off that are required to digest that certain food so what might happen is that when you consume that food again the gut bugs aren't really attuned to that they're not really um aware of that type of food anymore or the ones that are were aware have kind of died off because they're not required and then they find it very, very difficult to digest that food. And as a result, you might get digestive digestive concerns or challenges or symptoms. Right. The other reason is that, especially when it comes to lactose, is that lactose is broken down by an enzyme in the body called lactase. Every single person is born with a set amount of lactase, you know, especially people from um, sort of the Asian culture. Mm-hmm. They are much less likely to have the lactase enzyme in the amount or the abundance as people from Australia. So in that scenario, if you don't consume lactose from milk products, mm-hmm. then what happens is your body goes, well, why am I producing this lactase enzyme? It's not being used anyway. So it kind of stops reducing, producing it as much. Then when you consume the milk, maybe you know two years down the track, you might get a little bit of a tummy upset. You're like, oh, I never used to get this when I, when I had milk. Yeah. The cool thing about that, though, is you can also build up your tolerance. So you can consume milk regularly to actually go, 
to your body, hey, we need this lactase enzyme. Let's start producing it a little bit more. Let's build it. Of course. Build it. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ooh. a very, very simplistic way of looking at it. But yeah, that would probably be why you might find it a little bit difficult to actually consume milk nowadays as opposed to, you know, prior to when you were struggling with your ED. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, my love. Yeah, I know. Like sometimes when I eat ice cream, I'm just like, oh, mm. I feel weird, but I love ice cream. So like what's the girl to do, you know? Have ice cream and, yeah, great yeah, consequences. <laughs> consequences. Oh, well. So worth it. I had a gay time last night. Gay time? Very good. I love him. Yeah. You know I went to the day right and I was like I want an ice cream and I I haven't bought a golden gay time for like full probably five six seven years when I was younger at that time two dollars yeah whatever yeah I went to the shop it's like three dollars fifty yeah what is this inflation doing to us I know it's like literally absurd yeah it's I didn't even I was so angry it's funny when you go back to like the things that you used to buy and and how cheap they were and now it's like nuts yeah, like full, like poles are like sixty cents. Now they're like two dollars. This is honestly disgusting. It's I'm just going to buy a four pack of Gay Times for seven dollars. Beautiful, great decision. <laughs> Thank you for approving. Alas, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Oh, ready, 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 ready. Um, okay. Well, this I think this is a this is a good one because I think it's something that like a lot of people. Um, struggle with or, or feel um so it's why do I feel comfort and emotional ease when I eat ah. a mouthful of food so this is a very good question um and I'm gonna answer it I'm gonna have two answers for this mm-hmm. with food naturally we eat food as humans and majority of us get satisfaction from it because it basically ignites this certain part of our brain mm-hmm. that releases dopamine, which is our, I guess, pleasure, um, feel good reward center or reward hormone. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's very smart because if humans didn't really want to eat, we wouldn't be on this earth today. Mm-hmm. So our body has been trained in such a way where eating is really pleasurable because we need to eat, we need fuel, we need to survive. Naturally, what happens as well is sugar in particular is very, very addictive and very pleasurable for the human body. Mm. And the reason being is because sugar is a very, very accessible macronutrient. We Mm. break it down so quickly and we get energy so quickly. And so – if you have a mouthful of food, especially if it's higher in sugar, like ice cream or like cakes or even things like honey, yeah, that really, really, really is so pleasurable for our brain. Mm. And it also can be quite addictive because dopamine, reward center, yes, 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 pleasure, pleasure, yeah. pleasure. We love pleasure as humans. Yeah, we do. The other reason is that humans are very good at associating foods with either positive or negative experiences. Mm. So, for example, if your mum used to cook sticky date pudding every single Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. if you have sticky date pudding, not only are you re- releasing dopamine in your brain when you have it, but you're also getting that, oh, my gosh, this memory, I love this, this is so therapeutic for me, it reminds me when my mum used to cook it as a kid. Yeah. And so there's kind of two things that might be playing there and it's a very human, very natural response for yeah. when you consume food for any single person. Mm, it's so, so interesting the way that like evolution comes in, mm. um, but also like 
the, I guess, like the brain's like memory of, of those times, because it's so true. Like if, when I think of like comfort and like, um, happiness, like I think of like mum's spaghetti bolognese and like whenever I'm sad or whatever, like she'll cook me that. And that brings like so much, I guess like safety. And Mm. so yeah, I'm sure there's so many different instances of that with, yeah. um, with people that it does like trigger that. Um, and then, you know, sometimes like, I guess when, you know, you're going through, you know, even like a hard time or whatever, sometimes like the, what, what you need to do is to get out of that situation is such a complicated, overwhelming thing that, that food mm-hmm. is kind of like the easiest thing to go to for that yes. kind of like immediate, relief yeah for like a moment like so I totally I completely get it and yeah if you if you do that and you feel that like you're yeah very um very human oh my god yeah yeah Yeah. and I guess like I know I know we won't go into kind of much detail oh I well yeah we won't go into much detail about emotional eating as such because that is an element of emotional eating but what I will say to that is that it is okay to emotionally eat. There is nothing inherently wrong with emotionally eating. If you're sad, you can go have your mum's spaghetti bolognese. Like yeah. that's not a bad thing to do. And to be honest, food is pretty benign in, yeah. in, in I guess, comparison to other things that you could do if you are feeling emotional. Yeah. When it comes to emotional eating though, it's, it is, it can become a problem when it is your food is your only source of emotional mm. reprieve or your only way to self-soothe. Because at the end of the day, food is great, but it's not going to necessarily solve the inherent issue. And it might not also provide you with that sense of relief that you actually need mm. if you, for example, in contrast, wrote a to-do list or had that hard conversation or went for a walk outside or patted your dog. So emotional eating is okay, but it's not necessarily going to help in all scenarios and it shouldn't be the only way that you rely on getting that emotional reprieve or that sort of self-soothing release Mm. or that feeling. Totally. Mm. Love it. Go, girl. You'd think like you were a dietitian or something. Yeah, what? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think this is an interesting one. Um, Yeah. And I think you'll you'll have something good to say. It says how to maintain weight mm. and body comp. I'm assuming that's mm. composition without yep. tracking. So without, I guess, like that. Does that mean like mm. counting calories, counting calories, or macronutrients? Yeah, yeah, like a My Fitness Power situation. Yeah. Okay. PTSD. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and there's reasons why you have PTSD for that, which I'll expand yeah. on later. But okay. Uh, how am I going to answer this question? Okay. So the first thing I want to say is that when you are, um, so tracking like my fitness pal can be incorrect. And I, the reason why I say that is because heaps of research has shown that it could be 25% more of your requirements that you need or less than your requirements that you need. Mm. So that's what I'll say to that. The other thing as well is that tracking isn't necessarily going to be beneficial long-term. Mm. And the reason being is because not only is it incorrect sometimes, but it also basically completely ignores your um, 
or the requirement for checking in with your hunger and your fullness. Yeah. And it can really, really cause a poor relationship with food because it's very, very numbers-based. It's very calculative. It's very metric. And food is not that. So that's one thing I'll say about tracking. The other thing as well is if you can't maintain your weight or body composition without tracking, then I would argue that it might not actually be the weight that you're supposed Mm. to be at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if, if you're tracking a certain number every single day for the past two years to maintain the weight that you want to be at, Mm-hmm. And then you stop tracking for a month and all of a sudden you might put in a little bit of weight or your body composition changes. Mm-hmm. It might not actually be the weight, the, the calories, sorry, for example, the, the ones that you're calculating might not actually be the requirements that you need mm-hmm. to be the healthy body weight for you. Mm-hmm. So yes, you might be at your ideal weight and body composition when you're tracking, but when you're not tracking is actually the real determinant of what you actually probably should be at. Mm. I'm going to say something to that though. When you've been tracking for an extended period of time, like I mentioned before, your ability to check in with those hunger and those fullness signals aren't that great. And so what might happen then is if you stop tracking, you don't have a metric to judge what you should be eating. Mm. And so naturally you kind of have to check in with your hunger and fullness. Mm. But if you don't have those internal cues to go, hey, I'm hungry, hey, I'm full, then what might happen is you might experience moments where you undereat or you might experience moments where you overeat. Mm -hmm. The only way to really get through that is to literally keep practicing and checking in with those internal cues. Other things, of course, like mindful eating, et cetera, et cetera, But at the end of the day, if you want to maintain this body composition, this weight, and the only way to do that is through tracking, it's not sustainable. It is absolutely not sustainable. And there's going to come a time where you can't track or it's not healthy to track. Mm. And that is when you need to check in with those hunger, those fullness, those internal Mm. body cues that really at the end of the day you're born with because they are our best way of maintaining the weight that we're supposed to be at, that healthy weight, that healthy set range that we're supposed to be at where all our bodily functions, you know, are performing optimally. Yeah. And I guess you can tell me if I'm completely wrong here and I probably am. But in my mind, if you're tracking that stuff, Mm. you don't have a healthy relationship with food and your body. Am I, I, I'm assuming I'm wrong, but what um, is there a way that is is there is there a world in which you're doing that and you genuinely have a healthy relationship with your body and and food um i i would say that most of the time it's not a healthy approach to food yeah um i would say that there are moments where it can like tracking can mm-hmm. can 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 mm-hmm. in some small scenarios help educate the person okay okay so maybe they have absolutely no idea about nutrition or macronutrients or calories or anything like that and tracking for a week could be like oh okay so this is actually way more you know x than i thought and that's really really good for me and i know that now okay cool i'm going to utilize that stop tracking go on my merry way yeah okay i don't think that tracking is a very good thing to do most of the time Mm. and there are very, very, very few cases that I would ever suggest it or even support it from yep. a client point of view. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not required, I don't think, to even lose weight. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You can lose weight in so many different ways. 
But at the end of the day as well, most of the people that I've seen, and I guess I'm biased because I do work in that sort of population group, which do have a poor relationship with food, but most of the time it's been a catalyst. Tracking has been a catalyst for their poor relationship with food. So I would say that you have to be a very um, sort of relaxed, fluid, not really type A personality to track and not get stuck in that vortex. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And no judgment. Like I've been there. I remember I used to like, you know, Mm. do all that stuff and whatever, but I know for me it was like, you know, it was not from a healthy state. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's um, a really, really good answer. Um, Okay, let me – tips to increase Two more? Yeah, two more, two more. Tips to increase veggies. Ah, great question. Okay, I'm going to ask you why you want to increase vegetables first. Mm. And the reason I do this a lot and my clients hate me for it, but like I always ask why because Mm. it's really important for them to know why. Like if you want to increase vegetables because you really want to improve your health and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that's really important to you and you feel like you're not getting enough, awesome, amazing. But if you want to increase vegetables because, you know, Susan down the road is increasing vegetables and you feel like that's what you're supposed to do, most of the time you're going to want to increase vegetables for a week and then you completely forget why you even want to increase vegetables at the end of the day. So the why is important. Okay. So if your why then is you just don't think you're getting enough vegetables in and you feel like it's really important for your health this year to increase vegetables, awesome. Tick, tick, tick. Let's go ahead and answer the question. Um, So a couple of ways that I would say to increase vegetables is looking at your meals and seeing how you can do so. So for example, how can you add in one extra vegetable for this meal? Is it adding in some spinach to your smoothie? Is it adding in a side salad to some of your dinners? Is it adding in an extra vegetable to your spaghetti bolognese? So doing what you already do, but adding in rather than thinking you have to replace everything and go, I'm going to have salads for the next two weeks. No. Let's yeah. do what you already do, what all you're used to, the habits that you have, and just add in. Yeah. Another thing I would say is that try to increase vegetables in snacks too. You know, meals are not the only way that you can increase your veggies. So mm. I mean, a very generic um, example here would be like dips with carrot or yeah. cucumber or capsicum. But yeah. other things like you can roast up some vegetables and you can have them as a snack. Mm. Or maybe you can do, I don't know, a smoothie with a little bit of spinach in. Mm. Um, or you can do a little bit of a soup or something like that where yeah. you're having vegetables in a snack, not just a meal. Yeah. Um, other things like kind of really um, kind of uh, niche examples would be obviously the spinach with a smoothie or you could add in some soups or maybe you can – um, add in the veggies with the side meal or uh, when you're going out for dinner, choose a vegetarian option or start cooking more vegetarian-based. That's always a good yeah. one. Um, yeah. Even things like omelettes and eggs, chuck in yeah. some cut-up vegetables there um, and maybe even as a bit of an opportunity to get your family involved, like start asking, hey, what vegetable do you want to eat? Like make it yeah. a fun, it fun experience too. Yeah. Totally. Um, but there's no right – or wrong way to do it. Yeah. What I would say though is each meal, ask yourself, can I put an extra veggie in here? And what would that be? And yeah. then the next time you cook it, chuck in that extra veggie. Yeah, I love that. And like adding it to things that you already enjoy, I feel like as well. Like, yeah, for me, a veggie curry is yes. just amazing because you, you know, you're um, 
obviously like the if you don't really like the taste of vegetables then the the curry flavor and whatever is like overpowering it and you're still getting that in Mm. and then soups are amazing yeah Um, and then we would always make this um what we call like green pasta so we'd get pasta and we'd put like a whole bag of spinach in we'd put asparagus we'd put broccoli we put like all of the green vegetables in but then you put like pesto and you put some coconut cream in there and it's so delicious but you're getting like all of these veggies and you just feel like the healthiest person in the world like so put it in things that like you already enjoy um so for me that's like pastas and curries and and that kind of stuff um and you just yeah you just feel I don't know you just feel good I feel like the green of the vegetable you just feel so good yeah, you feel like yeah, a hundred percent, and like it's yeah. probably a psychological thing as 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 a physical thing too. Yeah, oh, absolutely, mm. absolutely, as Good everything tip. probably is. Um, <laughs> let me see. One, I saw more. one. Yeah, can I? Can I? Can I, I saw one on ADHD and ED. Can I answer that? Yes, I was literally about to ask that, but I was like, yeah, yeah. no, go, yeah, let's do it because it's actually something I get asked a lot, especially, and I've noticed it even more frequently in clinic. So mm-hmm. ADHD is um, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Um, it also can be ADD, which is attention deficit disorder. So they're just kind of like subsets of one another. Um, there is a lot of upcoming research. Oh, actually, I should probably <laughs> – the question is, can you explain the link between ADHD and ED? Um, there's a lot of upcoming research to show there is a huge link between ADHD and mm-hmm. eating disorders. And – a link being people with ADHD are four times more likely in some studies to develop an eating disorder. Um, so it's, it's prevalent, like it is incredibly Mm. prevalent and there's lots of theories as to why that might be the case. And, you know, I see it, um, honestly, I'd say that probably half of my clients, maybe 30% struggle with ADHD and like also have an eating disorder. So like, it's even like, you know, it's even obvious in clinic and um, as as well as the research. And I think that, I mean, I have a few theories and I've looked into the research about this as well. And mm-hmm. a couple of reasons being um, why this might be the case. And the eating disorders are, um, it's not just sort of anorexia nervosa. It can also be binge eating disorder and yeah. the other types of eating disorders. Yeah. But um, one one thing that is is probably one of the theories is or the explanations is this whole like um uh, how do you say like impulsivity so people who struggle with ADHD have sort of like um I guess you could say they 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 can't really pay attention to one thing for an extended period of time and they have this Mm -hmm. impulsivity with with what's going on around them Mm -hmm. and naturally especially when it comes to things like binge eating disorder impulsivity and the lack it's not a self-control issue binge eating disorder is not a self-control issue but the impulsivity that comes with adhd can actually sort of um be one of the reasons why somebody with binge eating disorder finds it difficult to navigate difficult to manage Mm. so that's one thing another thing as well is um what we kind of call is like um inattentiveness so inattentiveness can't really pay attention to one thing at once and the inattentiveness can also be associated with mindlessness with food Mm. and eating Mm -hmm. and the inability to check in with our hunger and fullness and i know that we talked about that before how important that is in terms of weight regulation and in terms of enjoyment of foods and Mm. in terms of improving our relationship with food. And so if we're not able to actually check in with that hunger and fullness 
And, you know, that sort of um, inattentiveness can absolutely kind of layer that mm. concern. Um, it is very interesting. I think the other thing that I'll say as well is that people with um, or diagnosed with ADHD may also struggle with comorbidities in terms of mental illness, so anxiety mm. and depression. Mm-hmm. So they're much more likely to struggle with that. And is that right? Anxiety and depression. More likely. Yeah. 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 Right. So anxiety and depression and eating disorders – are very, 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 yeah. very likely to happen sort of in conjunction with each other. So yeah. it's also probably that as well. And there are mm. some of the theories. Like there are so many others, but I would say that I would agree with all of those um, yeah. to an extent. Yeah. I think it's like such important um, research to know. And it's, yeah. uh, I just think it's incredible uh, the, the focus that is on ADHD at the moment. Um, it's, yeah, yeah. it seems like, you know, quite, quite prevalent. And I think it's so important because you used to just think that, oh yeah, ADHD is like naughty boys in class that like, mm. um, you know, mm. control their behavior. And it's just like, it's so not that. And I feel so, yeah. um, sorry for so many people that have had to deal with that, um, with that stigma on top of it. It's like OCD. Oh yeah. You just clean yeah. like whatever. It's like, yeah. these are real things that have, yeah so many implications in real world that mm. we just don't we yeah we've never taken the time to like understand fully so yeah I think that's incredible and um yeah just yeah it's so enlightening to know that and I'm sure for many people it's really helpful mm. yeah mm. yeah so cool that was fun I love just interviewing <laughs> did you, you did you learn something I learned so much stuff Yay. so much stuff I think it's so um, interesting. And I always come at these chats about food and stuff like so like hesitantly because yeah. I'm just, you know, know the prevalence of eating disorders and whatever through, you know, my own experience. So I am always so like wary and cautious. Um, mm. but I think, you know, everything you said today was just very helpful. Um, and I think people will get a lot out of it. So thank you. my yeah, love. I hope so. Um, giving us all your expertise. You're such a smart little girl. It's so smart cool. I love girl. hearing you talk about. I think I just love hearing people talk about yeah. things that are like passionate about, and know passionate. a lot about, and it's it? like, oh my god, I, love, I could just listen to you speak. You know, so it's um. Oh, amazing. thank you, oh. and thanks everyone for asking such awesome questions. Yeah. They were different to what I usually answer. So mm. yeah, that's like, really cool. Thank you guys so much. The for, best. Yeah, it's really um it's so helpful for us and. Yeah, it's just fun and please like and subscribe oh we yes need, yes we need that we need you to we do need that. that we need yes. it um yes. <laughs> like <laughs> review, we subscribe follow whatever yeah, it please. is can yeah. you please do that and also i listened to this podcast the other day and mm-hmm. he was like your task for this week is to tell one person about this podcast. Oh, so yay, homework. I'm going to task everyone listening to this. If you enjoy this, please tell one person about it yeah. and we will just be forever grateful. So thank yay. You. Or if you don't want to tell anyone, you can share it on your stories. Yes, that too. And you tell more people but you don't have to say anything. Love that. Love that. Do that. Do that. That's better. <laughs> or both whatever <laughs> but yeah, happy days. 
honestly though thank you to everyone so much yeah. for supporting this potty and we've got so many cool guests lined up we literally cannot Yay. wait what are we doing are we interviewing one this friday we are interviewing yeah we are yeah we are this friday so, so that should be out next week no the week oh after my gosh week. yes yes um yeah. yes 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 yes, yes it will be oh so <laughs> cool all right thank you guys bye, bye. Quince Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.